Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North, the poo-poo, willy-willy-bum-bum podcast dedicated to the telling of real-life paranormal experiences from the north of the UK. I'm your host, the Vic Meister General, the notorious VIC, Victoria to you, and I'm here to tell you some supernatural stories that have come from deep within the oozing innards of the Northern British Territories. I really hope you find yourselves scintillated, scared and entertained by the spectral tales I'm about to tell you today. And if you aren't, then just jolly well go and write to my MP. Or the police. Go and complain to the police. But be warned. I'm sure they'll be very interested to hear all about what you did last summer. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to give a shout out to the wonderful Raw Art Scotland, which is a, it's a company, it's a company, it's an artist's company that makes art. It's a small business, I should say. But Raw Art Scotland has recently supported Haunted Up North on coffee. So thank you for that. If you should like to see some artistry by Raw Art Scotland, please visit their Instagram at raw underscore art underscore Scotland, or have a look at their Etsy shop, Raw Art Scotland, all one word, capital R, capital A, capital S, where you can see their beautiful prints, cards, and pieces of glorious artwork inspired by the nature of Scotland. I'll add a link in the show notes. Look out for it, and click on it, and look at it and maybe even purchase a bit of it. I've purchased some of it before, and it's really, really good. Excellent, in fact. That's a verbal review of Raw Art Scotland. Five stars for you. So today we're talking about... The Beast of Bolam Lake. Ooh, A simply beastly lake-dwelling creature. The Beast of Bolam Lake was suggested by Tynemouth Therapies on Instagram, who we've mentioned here on Haunted Up North before. Before! When we discussed the hauntings of Chillingham Castle back in episode number 13. Unlucky for some. But the Beast of Bolam Lake is certainly not something I'd been familiar with previous to Tynemouth Therapies' suggestion, and I didn't even know where Bolam Lake was, let alone the fact it had a beast. Sabolam Lake. Where is it? It's in Northumberland, in the northeast of England. I love Northumberland, by the way. It's a well-trodden childhood haunt of mine, so no doubt I'll be dedicating many future Haunted Up North episodes to it, to that area of England. Bolam Lake, in answer to my own question, is in Bolam Lake Country Park. No, it's in Bolam Lake Country Park. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Bolam Lake is in Bolam Lake Country Park, Northumberland, near the village of Bolam, about nine miles west of Morpeth, and twenty miles northeast of Newcastle. The lake and surrounding woodlands of what is now Bolam Country Park, Northumberland, were commissioned by the Reverend John Beresford, aka Baron DCs. Sounds like one of Tobias Forge's ghost mascots. And if you're not familiar with the Swedish rock band ghost, I really recommend you acquaint yourself with it. Uh, Baron Deces was the owner of Bolam Estate, and he commissioned the lake and surrounding woodlands which were laid out by neoclassical architect John Dobson. 
The project intended to afford picturesque views of nearby countryside features was instigated to provide work for local people during a period of economic decline. And it began in 1863, taking three years to complete. And the lake itself, Bolam Lake, was created from a swampy area previously known as Bolam Bog. Bolam Bog sounds like the name of a Dickensian hard man. Bolam Bog. And his pitbull dog. According to Wikipedia, by 1945 the grounds had grown wild, so in 1972 it was bought by Northumberland County Council and made into a country park, Bolam Country Park. Bolam Country Park is around 65 and a half acres large, and it has a lake, woodlands and open grassland with very nice walks and very nice wildlife, including roe deer, the red kind of squirrel, which is the special kind, swans, waterfowl, um, that's ducks and things like that, great spotted woodpeckers, bullfinches, nuthatches and tree creepers. I've only ever once seen a tree creeper. Nuthatches and tree creepers are quite rare and hard to spot, as are woodpeckers, so that's, that's pretty exciting. Bolam Country Park has got a visitor centre, a cafe and a car park, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see all this for yourself, and I'll add a YouTube link as well so you can take a virtual tour of the place. It looks ace. You can cycle, walk, engage in water sports, <laughs> but apart from all that, you can look at trees with face carvings in them, look at trees without face carvings in them, roll about in fields, sit on giant bits of wood in the shape of armchairs, and just generally enjoy a rather charming, peaceful, countryside experience. It is fully accessible, apparently. Get yourself over there, but heed this. By day, it may paint a somewhat quaint and idyllic picture, but by night, it can be very gloomy, unnervingly quiet, and incredibly eerie. It was during the hours of darkness when an inexplicable event occurred one evening at Bolam Lake back in early 2002. A group of fishermen out hunting for pike late one night upon the shores of Bolam Lake were suddenly confronted by the sight of a giant two-legged creature covered in thick dark hair with sharp teeth and glowing red eyes. This frightening figure was said to stomp so hard as it passed by the group that the ground beneath it physically shook. Needless to say, both men and creature instantly fled the scene, and it wasn't long before the sighting of what locals dubbed the Geordie Yeti made newspaper headlines. As reported in the Chronicle, a northeastern English news site, one witness claimed, in their own words, that it looked about eight feet tall, heavy built, and what seemed to be its eyes glowed in the darkness. Basically, they think they saw a Bigfoot. If you're not sure what a Bigfoot is, the plural of Bigfoot, by the way, is still Bigfoot, even though really, it should be Big Feet, like toothpaste should be toothpaste. Bigfoot, also commonly referred to as Sasquatch, is an ape-like cryptid, cryptids being animals that cryptozoologists believe may exist in the wild but are not recognised by science, such as the Loch Ness Monster and the Jersey Devil. 
Bigfoot are traditionally believed to inhabit the forests of North America, though there is slim scientific evidence to substantiate this, and reports of Bigfoot living in forests and dense woodland throughout the globe consist mainly of anecdotal claims of sightings, along with photographs, video and audio recordings, hair samples and footprint casts. Stories of wild, hairy humanoids have appeared in North American folklore and the mythologies of indigenous people for centuries, with more contemporary depictions of what we now call Bigfoot being described as a large, muscular, two-legged ape-like creature, covered in black, dark brown or dark reddish hair. Its height is estimated at anywhere from between 6 to 9 and in some cases 10 to 15 feet. Other common descriptions include it having man-like proportions, a human-like face, broad shoulders, no visible neck, long arms, and red or yellow glowing eyes. According to Live Science, there have been over 10,000 reported Bigfoot sightings in the United States, predominantly in the northwestern regions of Washington, Oregon, Northern California, and British Columbia. Other prominent areas include the Great Lakes and the southeastern United States. Some Bigfoot researchers claim that Bigfoot throws rocks as territorial displays and for communication purposes. Other alleged behaviours include wood knocking, which is the act of striking blows against trees in order to make a sound. Constructions of broken tree limbs and twisted foliage that are bent, uprooted, and stacked in patterns such as weaved or crisscrossed teepee-type arrangements have led some experts to theorise that these could be potential territorial Bigfoot markings. Alleged sightings of these creatures mainly occur at night, with most observing that they appear solitary in nature though some have described instances of group activity. Howls, screams, moans, grunts, whistles, as well as strange forms of unfamiliar language have been recorded, along with supposed footage of Bigfoot forms moving on film or being captured in photographs. Many people believe that Bigfoot encounters are a simple case of misidentification. American black bears, which are known to sometimes walk upright, often as the result of an injury, and can stand quite tall whilst doing so, are thought to be responsible for many Bigfoot sightings. Others propose they could be escaped apes from nearby zoos, circuses, and private households, whilst many believe they could simply be humans dressed in unusual outfits or living as hermits in the wilderness. The most well-known video of an alleged Bigfoot is the Patterson-Gimlin film, which was recorded on October the 20th, 1967, by Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin, while they were exploring an area of Northern California named Bluff Creek. You can watch this on YouTube, I'll add it to the show notes. It's not considered material of credible scientific value, but it's a, it's a good watch if you tell yourself that what you're seeing is a real-life Bigfoot. Have a read about that online. There's countless information on it, with many different theories as to what the hairy, ape-like humanoid figure in the footage really is. But I think in terms of contemporary culture anyway, the Patterson-Gimlin film is probably responsible for Bigfoot's popularity in the modern age. 
October the 20th, the anniversary of the Patterson-Gimlin recording, is considered by some as National Sasquatch Awareness Day, as there are a wealth of serious organisations dedicated to the research and investigation of Bigfoot sightings, both in the US and the UK. There's a lady called Deborah Hatswell who's a founding member of the Being Believed Research and Investigations Group and she's the UK's leading expert of the British Bigfoot phenomena, having taken over 3,000 witness accounts of Bigfoot sightings across the globe. She's uploaded a very addictive online map that I'll add to the show notes along with everything else, but I'll put the map, the online map, Deborah Hatswell's online map in there with everything else. It's got all the reports she's recorded over the years and on there, on the map, you'll find just absolutely loads of documentation, not just in America and the UK, but everywhere else in the world as well. And on there, if you zoom in on the right location, you'll find a handful of sightings in and around Bolam Country Park of none other than the Beast of Bolam Lake which is what the Geordie Yeti, as cited by those fishermen back in 2002, has now come to be known as. In the weeks and months that followed the initial sighting by the fishermen in early 2002, additional Bigfoot-style phenomena was reported, such as similar eyewitness accounts of a large hairy humanoid figure, as well as sounds of growling or heavy movement coming from the woods surrounding the lake walkway. One witness even claimed that while they were camping at the lake, they heard a loud thud outside their tent, followed by a growl. When they emerged the next day, they found their fishing tackle had been stolen. Along with accounts of noises, growls and unusual figures, reports of broken tree limbs too came flooding in, all signs that something big had been moving through the trees or making Bigfoot bivouacs. Bigfoot Bivouacs, which is the name of my new album, refers to the crisscross teepee-style territorial structures some believe Bigfeet are responsible for. In 2003, a four-man team of investigators from the Exeter Centre for Fortean Zoology, headed by British cryptozoologist John Downs, set out for Bolam Lake to conduct a five-day and five-night-long exploration of the areas around the park where Bigfoot encounters were said to have taken place. Before the event, John was somewhat dubious about what the team would find. I'm very wary about this one, he said. I would like it to be true, but I have a sinking suspicion that it could have been a practical joker in a monkey suit. But my job is to discover the truth. And if it turns out the truth is prosaic and there's no mystery at all, then we'll still have done our job. Contrary to this statement, however, the investigation was, by all accounts, eventful. Electrical equipment would suddenly and inexplicably stop working. Flocks of crows began behaving in an extremely unusual manner. Strange noises emanated from various stretches of undergrowth, until finally, as many as five people witnessed a large humanoid figure dart across their view, then quickly back towards the direction in which it had first appeared. Speaking of his experiences, John Downs issued the following response to the nearly week-long vigil. The expedition was a success beyond our wildest dreams. 
The most exciting thing was that five people I interviewed had seen the beast at the same time. I was one of those people. When it came to dusk, on the last day, we were leaning on the bonnet of my car, enjoying a cigarette. Then suddenly, I and the other people I was with saw something like a very tall, spindly man moving incredibly fast over about 12 yards. We saw this thing move from right to left, and then left to right, before it disappeared. It was something I was not expecting, because I went there thinking it would be a hoax. What I saw was a dark, man-shaped object, approximately seven and a half feet tall. It had a barrel chest and thick, muscular arms and legs. I had a very clear sighting, but I saw no glowing eyes, and wasn't able to tell whether or not it was covered in hair. Hair samples, however, were also taken from the scene where the man-shaped being was observed, and though they have been submitted for analysis, no information has yet been released as to the nature of their genetic origins. Go and complain to the police. Speaking of origins, there are many theories out there as to what the beast of Bolam Lake could be. Just north of Bolam lies the market town of Rothbury. Or is it Rothbury? Rothbury Rothbury. He's quite the man about town. But in Rothbury, or Rothbury, locals like to tell ancient folk stories of a cave-dwelling creature called the Dugger. Dugger, if I've pronounced it correctly, is a monstrous yeti-like creature who would lure walkers to their deaths before roasting their corpses over a peat fire and devouring them. Could the beast of Bolam Lake be linked in some way to these terrifying tales of the Dugger? Many Bigfoot believers and doubters alike agree that it's pretty much impossible for a prehistoric creature to have remained hidden in Northumberland for all these years without being spotted until merely 20 years ago. Equally unlikely is the notion that it's an escaped ape or gorilla, seeing as the beast of Bolam is described as being around 8 foot tall, which is far bigger than any ape or gorilla is capable of standing. Out of any of the apes or gorillas that I know, anyway. Universal consensus of the Beast of Bolam Believers camp is that the entity may be, which does go somewhat against the idea that it's a walking, breathing, growling, eating, fish, tackle stealing Bigfoot beast. They think it may be paranormal in nature, as opposed to being made of flesh and bone. Here's why. An Iron Age fort named Slate Hill Settlement sits a stone's throw from the village of Bolam, the origins of which date all the way back to the 5th century. Legend has it that forts such as these were once protected by supernatural guardians from another dimension. So could it be that the shadowy figure witnessed on multiple occasions around Bolam Lake is there to protect the park and meaning absolutely no harm to those who frequent it. I've mentioned the story on here before, I think, when I did the Haunted Up North episode about Amphialithmore, the giant phantom supposedly spotted on and around the summit of Ben Dewey in Scotland. I think I have, but I'm too lazy to go back and listen to my old episodes. <laughs> but the account that I'm referring to, I read a while ago in an article by Cornwall Live. 
It details the account of a witness coming face to face with a six and a half foot tall copper coloured creature in a Cornwall forest. The event took place again in the early 2000s in the St Morgan area near Newquay, Cornwall, England. The witness, who was working in a field just outside the village and wished to remain anonymous, described the encounter to Cornwall Live in vivid detail. I used to live in a little village called St Morgan. While I was out making cages in wood for my boss's pheasant hunt, just outside of St Morgan, I used to hear knocks all the time down there, and I wasn't really sure what it was at first. I was talking to my boss about the pheasants and birds, and afterwards, me and another guy and his daughter were left there to finish off the work. We were left alone. I remember getting finished and hearing a wood knock about 30 yards away. I couldn't see anything. I looked at them and they looked at each other and said nothing. So we just carried on packing up. It started again, louder and closer and made me jump. I was kind of thinking perhaps it was a woodpecker, but no. The witness then goes on to say that he and his fellow work colleagues were sharing a van and that it was too small to fit the entire party inside. So when it was time to leave the field, the witness stayed behind, waiting for the van to return later and pick him up from the field. This is when the strange copper-coloured creature revealed itself. I had to wait to get picked up later, he continued. This was the reason I stayed. I could make out where the sound was coming from, I could still see the edge of the forest where we had been before when I heard it earlier on. I waited on the edge of the forest and I could hear rustling in the bushes. I looked but I couldn't see anything and then I guess my eyes adjusted and began to focus because I saw a face. This face was looking back at me and there were clicks and whistles everywhere. I walked forward to try to have a better view. Then it stood up. I don't know why, but I just felt it was not fully grown. It was a male, about six foot five inches tall. It was kind of copper coloured, and it looked right at me. It was gone in a shot as I heard my boss's Land Rover returning to collect me. I was like, has anyone ever said anything about a Bigfoot here? My boss eventually responded, Oh yes, we call them woodwose here. Leave them be. So, a woodwose, or woodwose, one of the two, but it's a mythical figure and motif that appears in the art and literature of medieval Europe, very similar in appearance to something like a fawn, which is a half-man, half-goat, or half-man, half-horse type of creature. The defining characteristic of the woodwose is its wildness, and from the 12th century onwards, it was depicted as being covered from head to toe in hair. Images of wild men appear in carvings of very old churches, in particular Canterbury Cathedral, and several folk traditions about the wild man correspond with ancient practices and beliefs. 
So basically, the concept, as discussed before, of a hairy, wild, humanoid figure lurking in the woods has some extremely deep-rooted resonance, particularly with ancient communities, as is clear from the Rothbury stories told about the monstrous cave-dwelling creature. And I mention this story because if this account of a Cornwall Bigfoot sighting is to be believed, the response given by the witness's boss is pretty compelling in the sense that his knowledge and recognition of a wild being or beings living within the confines of his neighbourhood forest could mean that though Bigfoot sightings may be unique for the majority of us, who knows, they may exist in a different capacity to those who simply acknowledge their presence as a somewhat everyday unknown, that they accept as just another part of nature's many mysteries. If that makes sense. Sightings of the beast of Bolam Lake don't appear to be as common as they once were. Perhaps it's learnt to adapt and hide better. Or maybe it's moved on to inhabit and perhaps protect another... Oh god, my cat's here. Yes, stand over everything, that's good. Uh, I was saying, perhaps the beast of Bolam Lake has moved on to inhabit and perhaps protect another supernaturally sacred area of British woodland. It won't be the last time we talk about British Big Feet, as both Cornwall and Northumberland aren't the only locations in which such creatures have been observed, as you'll see if you look at Deborah Hatswell's map upon the World Wide Web. If you do go and visit Bolam Country Park, it does look like a lovely spot to enjoy yourself in, but keep your wits about you at nightfall. Though we have explored a number of possible Bigfoot origin theories, it's probably best not to get too cocky. Chances are, if there is a Bigfoot out there, it's more afraid of you than you are of it, but you still don't want to try your luck in case you get a rock thrown at your face. Or get your fishing tackle nicked. I have a funny little fact to end this ape-related episode on. Martin told me something the other day relating to the 1985 American comedy adventure movie, The Goonies, created by Steven Spielberg, directed by Richard Donner, with a screenplay by Chris Columbus. But if you've watched The Goonies a million times like me, it might surprise you to learn that the original cut included a scene where two gorillas escape from a zoo and run wild across Astoria, (laughs) stealing cars and stuff. I'll include the YouTube link from Hats Off Entertainment, which talks about the lost scenes of the Goonies. Because also, in keeping with the cryptid theme, there was apparently a scene where a giant octopus appears. Because at the end, I don't know if you remember, but Data, one of the characters, says something like, The octopus was very scary. Which now, knowing that there was originally a deleted scene containing a giant octopus, it isn't just a random comment included as a joke. There was, in fact, a giant octopus that was very, very scary. Someone's put in the comments section of that video, Cutting the gorilla subplot was probably for the best. It seemed kind of stupid. Which is probably why it was cut, along with the octopus. Because it is, like, the Goonies is a pretty, um... Although I feel a little, maybe silly saying this, it's quite a dark film, really. There are a lot of pretty heavy themes going on in The Goonies, and it's never its never seemed to me like a real kid's film. There's quite acute danger from some pretty horrible and downright unsettling personalities. It's incredibly predatory. I just don't think it's a kid's film, really, even though there's loads of kids in it. 
And this is, I'm sure this is all intentional. I like it for this reason. I just don't see it as a kid's film because the themes are very grown up. So yeah, perhaps a giant octopus and some daft gorilla action would have seemed very out of place if they'd been included in the final cut. They may in fact have ruined it. But anyway, they're not in. They're not there. And it's making me want to go and watch The Goonies. I think I will. Thanks for listening, everyone. And for letting me inject a bit of Northumberland soul into your day. I hope you found these big feet to be good ones, and that you were suitably entertained by them. Long live Bolam Lake and all who stalk her, and may her power forever compel you to never presume. Nonsensical online motivational quote generator, generate me an outro. It just says, eat criminals. May the power of Bolam Lake compel you to eat criminals, everyone. Unless they've been wrongly accused or forced into a life of crime as a result of desperation or intimidation. See you later. Bye. You're a naughty little cat.